I don't know if it's possible for you guys to be enjoying this series as much as I am. Um, I feel like this God's like preaching to me every week. Even the weeks that I'm prepping, I'm supposed to be preaching to you guys. He's preaching to me. Um, during this sermon series, you guys might remember the youth group had a week, and um, they uh, th- kind of get them prepared. I spent several Sundays in a row, kind of giving them a little mini version of what I wanted their sharing time to be. You know, I wanted a name of God, I wanted a story from their life, and I wanted a story from the Bible. And um, a few weeks ago, I talked about the name that I'm going to be talking about today. You might have heard Jehovah Jireh. I'm going to be saying Yahweh Jireh. Jehovah and Yahweh are the same name, right? They're different pronunciations of the same name. And so at the time, I was like, oh, God, you know, you, you provide so much for my life. What am I going to tell these guys about? And so the story that I came up with for Yahweh Jireh is um, obviously I told about where it came in the Bible. I'm not going to spoil that yet. We'll get there. Um, but it means the Lord will provide. And so I told this story. I said, when Molly and I first got married, we didn't have a lot. I was in school. She worked for a small Christian school. I was in college. We're... I'm younger than her, but not that much younger. I was in college. She was teaching at a small Christian school, not making much money. Um, but the Lord provided a, us a place to live that we could afford. And, um, and friends and family just blessed us with so much to f- fill that place up. Uh, but then we realized that we didn't have a washer and a dryer. Didn't come with a washer and dryer. And that's quite the predicament if you want to be around other people. And so um, we prayed about it, and, and, and Molly kind of mentioned, you know, we could just go buy a used one. Like, we're not, we normally look for used items whenever we buy, especially something as major as appliances, but we didn't have a lot. And I was afraid with the amount that we had, we'd be buying a problem, not a washer and a dryer. And so I said, you know what, I, I have fond memories growing up. My grandmother didn't own a washer and dryer, or didn't own a dryer, so I would regularly go with her to the laundromat and help with laundry for the week. And I said, I feel like I can do that, and we'll just wait. And, um, and I also just had this feeling that God would provide. Right? I couldn't articulate it at the time, didn't have a lot of reason for the feeling that way, other than all the blessings that he blessed me with up to that point. But I said, I just have a feeling that the Lord will provide. And sure enough, it wasn't a couple days later uh, that a family in our church was, um, the, the husband had gifted the wife an eco washer and dryer, right, the, with this oversized, because they had a bigger family. And uh, their washer and dryer was just a couple years old, and they were looking for a family to give it to. And so we were blessed with that washer and dryer. The Lord provided, Yahweh Jireh. And then I got finished with that lesson. And after youth group, I was just super critical of myself. I was like, come on, Nathan. That was, you just taught the youth group that the Lord's going to give them things. Like how materialistic can you make the message of God will provide other than he'll get you stuff, right? When you, when you want some stuff or need some stuff, he'll get you stuff. And, uh, and so I was just really critical. And I feel like I had kind of... You know, I'd missed it. I missed it a lot in youth group, but I felt like I'd really missed it with that message. And little did I know, God knew exactly what he was doing. So, he was guiding and directing my paths for today's sermon. It makes me get a little bit weepy thinking about it. Today's truth, what I want you guys to take away, 
is, let's see, is this working this morning? Uh Uh-oh, Samuel, you might have to take over. Continue to be patient and obedient, and Yahweh Jireh will see to the promise. Continue to be patient and obedient, and Yahweh Jireh will see to the promise. All right, to talk about Yahweh Jireh, we've got to talk about Abraham's story. Uh, We've been talking a lot about Abraham over the last few weeks. There's really good reason. But we're going to take like a 10,000-foot view of Abraham's story. Uh, It starts in Genesis 11, and I mentioned that way back at the beginning of the series when we talked about what's in a name. If you guys remember, Abraham wasn't always his name. His name was Abram, which meant great father, and he was old and didn't have any kids. How disappointing. He did not fit his name. But we see starting in chapter 12 that God called Abram to leave his family and leave his home because God had a plan for Abram's life. And that plan specifically we see in Genesis 12, 3 says, all, it's just delayed. Not at all. I'll let them fix that. It's a short one. You guys aren't going to be bothered by not being able to read it. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. That was the promise that God had for Abraham. All of the families on earth will be blessed through you. Samuel, I'm going to let you take control. I might have messed it up. It's definitely my fault. So all the families are going to be blessed through this man, Abraham. He leaves his family. He leaves his home. He trusts in God and immediately screws up. He ends up in Egypt And he lies to the Pharaoh and calls Sarai, his wife, his sister. It was a half lie because she was his half sister. Read about it. It's weird. And um, because of this, Pharaoh takes Sarai into his family to be his wife. Like almost immediately makes a mistake. And, And when the Pharaoh realizes this, he gives Sarai back to Abraham and then gifts Abraham all these things, cattle and sheep and, and uh, money. I don't know why he blessed Abraham in that lie, but he did. And that's Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 13, uh, we see that uh, Abraham's traveling with his lot nephew. Um, they arrive in the area that would be modern-day Israel. It wasn't Israel yet because Israel hadn't been born yet. Um, but it was the place that was going to be Israel. And um, let me pick up on my notes. Abraham gives, sorry, Abram, because his name hasn't been changed yet, gives Lot the choice. They're standing looking at all this land, and to the east is a fertile valley, and to the west is a mountainous region. And he says, Lot, which one do you want? And Lot's like, I want the fertile valley. So he takes the fertile valley. Abram goes up on top of the mountain, and the Lord reminds him. After his mistake in Egypt, the Lord reminds him, Everything you see will one day be yours and your descendants. So he's, he's continually through this whole story of reminding him. Genesis 14, war breaks out among the nations, and the town that Lot and his family are living in um, becomes pillaged, and Lot and his family are taken as part of the plunder. And Abraham, sorry, Abram, I'm going to make that mistake a few times. It'll change in a minute because his name gets changed. Abram takes 318 men from his family, his household, it says. So servants and, and, you know, guys they picked up along the way. 318 men. And he chases after this enemy army, and he takes back everything that they had plundered. 
takes back everything that they had plundered, including Lot and his family. And when he brings it back um, and gives it to the king um, of Sodom, the king is just amazed. He, you know, he thanks Abram. He gives him gifts. And then we have this weird interaction. You guys really should read this whole story. It wouldn't take very long. But Abram meets this man named Melchizedek, and he's the prince of this place called Salem. And it says he is the priest of El Elyon. You guys remember that name? The Lord Most High. And he blesses Abraham, or he reminds Abraham, Abram of the blessing that he was living under. And Abram gives this individual 10% of everything that he had, had received. And an interesting side fact, you guys can think about this, is Melchizedek in the New Testament is referred to similarly in Jesus. Maybe this is a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, but he brings two things to Abram. He brings bread and he brings wine. How interesting is that? So we have this man, um, Melchizedek. He disappears, doesn't come back to one reference in the New Testament. All right, chapter 15, Abram has a vision where he speaks with God. And again, God is continually reminding him of the promise that he has on Abram's life. And everything that um, he's going to do. And Abram goes, well, I don't have a kid, so maybe everything that I have is just going to be left to my servant, Eliezer. Already doubting God. Like, God just used him to win a battle with 318 men against an army. And he's like, well, maybe, God, maybe you can't do it, so your promise is going to have to be through this other guy. And, um, and God said, no, that's not, the, that's not the case. He brings him outside. He says, look up at the stars. One day, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. So he reminds Abram again. And Abram says in Genesis 12, 3, or sorry, not Genesis 12, Genesis 15, 6. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Righteous is, is a, kind of a theological term, but it means that God considered his relationship with Abram whole or complete because of the faith Abram had. Abram hadn't showed a lot of faith up to this point, but in believing that God was going to come through on that promise of his descendants, it was counted to Abram as righteousness. Abram still doubted, so God further solidified his promise to Abram with a covenant. Covenant is, is an old term, and this was used in a very old way. He tells Abram to get some animals and cut them in half. And then Abram has a dream. And then God appears as a smoldering pot and a torch and passes through the center of these, of these separated animals to solidify. It's more than just a promise, Abram. It's a covenant. Now your, your relationship with God has become a covenant with God. That's Genesis 15. Genesis 16 we talked about last week. If you guys remember... We have this amazing vision. God appears as a pot and a, and a torch, passes through, reminds Abram of all these promises, actually comes to an agreement, a covenant with Abram. And then the very next chapter, Sarai's like, why don't you just take my servant and have a kid with her? And then that's, maybe that's how God intends this promise to be fulfilled. And that creates strife in the family. 
And um, Abram and Sarai both just refer to this girl as the servant girl. And, um, and Sarai starts fighting with her, and Abram says, look, she's your servant. Do what you want. She, they, she gets kicked out into the wilderness. She runs away. She's going home. And um, she has this experience with the angel of the Lord, a, a pre-incarnate Christ, a Christophany is what it's called. And, and Jesus, this angel of the Lord, tells her that God hears her unspoken cry and that he's going to fulfill the promise that he made to Hagar, the servant girl. And so Hagar begins to call God El Roi. Molly mentioned it in the, in the, uh, the communion. God who sees me. That's going to come back up. A, uh, Hagar returns to Abram and Sarai and lives as part of the family. Uh, it's, not, it's not a pretty situation, but they make it work for a little while. Genesis 17, Jim Bob talked about three weeks ago now, because God appears to Abram and introduces himself as El Shaddai, God Almighty. And God again reminds Abram and renews the covenant promise that he has with Abram. Um, And at this point is when God changes Abram's name to Abraham. So Abram means great father. Abraham means father of many nations. He's surrounding Abraham with these these reminders of what he's doing with Abraham's life. He wants Abraham to be different. He wants Abraham to stand out as God's chosen. And so he enacts a commandment. Abraham is to circumcise every male within his household. And so he does that, physically changes every male in the house, so they have a physical indication about the spiritual separation that they were to have from the world. They're to be different. And then in the middle of all this, Abraham still doubts that God is going to be, be able to provide him a son. Why? Because he's old. At this point, he received his promise from God. He started out on his journey around 70, 75 years old. Now he's 100. Sarah's, Sarai is 90. 100-year-olds and 90-year-olds don't have kids. So there's still this doubt. And Abraham laughs at how absurd this sounds. And God tells Abraham that his son is going to be named Isaac, which means laughter. And that's going to be the son of the promise. Genesis 18, still no son. God appears to Abraham. Abraham recognizes him in human form. It says these three men showed up. One of them is Abraham refers to as Lord, and then we see it as the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. He recognizes that this is God in, in physical form. And these three come again to remind him, about this time next year, you're going to have a son. He's going to be born. And at this point, Sarai laughs because <laughs> she's in her 90s. Well, how is she going to have a son? And uh, she gets her name changed to Sarah. And again, gets reminded, his name will be Isaac. Laugh, laugh all you want. You're going to have a son this time next year. And then we have this interesting interaction where God tells Abraham that he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham and God get in like a back and forth. Because Sodom and Gomorrah is going to be destroyed because of how wicked they are. And Abraham says, well, you're going to destroy the righteous along with the wicked? What if there are 50? He starts with 50. 
What if they're 50? And the Lord says, I'll, I'll spare the city for 50 righteous. And then he goes oh, about there, and they go back and forth, and they get it all the way down to 10. If these, if these angels, when they visit Sodom, can find 10 righteous men, God's going to spare the city. Uh, spoiler alert, they don't. It's just Lot and his family, his wife and his two daughters. The angels get them out of there. It's a, probably one of the most messed up chapters in the whole Bible, if you want to go read it. Um, it's Genesis uh, 16. Uh, Genesis 17, or sorry, not Genesis 16, Genesis 18 and 19. Genesis 20, Abraham makes the same mistake he made back at the beginning. They're in a different place, and Abraham's like, look, you're smoking hot. I don't, Sarah's like almost 100 at this point. You're smoking hot. I, they're going to kill me to take you. So just tell everybody you're my sister again, because that worked so well. And she did, and the king takes her in. So she must have been a looker. That's all, that's all we know. And the king, king takes her in. He's revealed in a dream. This woman is not... She's married, and so he takes her back and again just gives Abraham these gifts, cattle and sheep and, and money. And so even in his mistakes, it seems like God is blessing Abraham because he's got some kind of plan for Abraham's life. And uh, that happens in 20. And then 21, Genesis 21, starts off with a great verse. Genesis 21:1 says, The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. And so Sarah has a son now, Isaac. And we read in this chapter that Abram, Abraham, whenever uh, Isaac wins, he throws this huge party. They're celebrating the son of the promise. Let's all get together. It's amazing. I'm super old, and God blessed me with a kid, and the whole world's going to be blessed by this kid. And Sarah sees Ishmael laughing and was like, look, we got to do something about this servant and her son in the middle of this party. And at this point, Abraham, is, I think he's starting to see how God is leading and directing, um, but he has to listen to his wife. He gives Hagar provision. He sends her out into the wilderness where she has another experience with God and is reminded of her promise. And that's Genesis 21. Ishmael grows up to be the father of a great nation, also the father of 12 princes. 12 sounds significant because it is. It's going to be in the story of Abraham too. Then we get to Genesis 22. So at this point, Isaac is probably around 15 years old. We're not quite sure. It doesn't give the years between when when Isaac was born and when chapter 22 happens. Um, but the very next chapter, Abraham's faith is tested. So how interesting has it been that the whole story has been full of Abraham and Sarah's doubt. And then we get to chapter 22 and Abraham's faith is tested. This is the first time we specifically see God testing, saying he's going to test Abraham's faith. And so we pick up in Genesis 22 too. God says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. What a wild request from God. 
Now, this would be devastating, I'm sure, as a parent, but this wouldn't be completely surprising. Child sacrifice was a normal practice of the nations in this area at this time. Can you imagine feeling like you had so little control of your life and the things that were happening that you felt like you had to kill a child in some way to appease some higher power? And so I'm sure Abraham again was devastated, but we see that he leaves the very next day. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't pray about it. He doesn't spend a week wondering what is God doing It says he leaves the very next day. It seems like maybe Abraham is starting to see God's presence in his life and the effects that that has. He's starting to feel God's presence in his life. Continue to be patient and obedient, and Yahweh Jireh will see to the promise. Picking back up in verse 6. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, uh, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. If you look at the original Hebrew here, this word, God will provide a sheep, could also be interpreted as God will see to it that a sheep is provided, or God will see to it that we have a sheep for the burnt offering. This is the same word that we see back in the story of Hagar, where Hagar says, you are El Roi, the God who sees me. Abraham is saying, God, the God who saw Hagar in the wilderness and brought her back into the family, he will see to it that we have a sheep for this burnt offering. I didn't even know these names were connected. He said, God will see to it. We saw last week, the God who sees where I am now sees me living the plan he has for my future. Abraham knew that God saw the situation. And he began to trust in the God who had made all these promises to him. When they make it to the top, Abraham and Isaac pile up some rocks. And then they put wood on top of that. And it says, Abraham tied the arms of Isaac and placed him on this pile of wood and rocks, this altar to God. And he raises the knife to kill his son, his only son, the son of the promise. And before he plunges the knife, he hears the angel of the Lord. Remember when we hear angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, oftentimes it's referring to God the Son, Jesus before he came to earth. And the angel of the Lord said from heaven, don't lay a hand on the boy. And then we pick back up in Genesis twenty-two twelve. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram 
caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. In place of his son. Abram named, Abraham named the place Yahweh Jireh, or Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. How beautiful is that? On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The word for provided here is the same word from earlier in the same chapter. It's the same word from Hagar's story. It's to see. But we, we um, translate it as provide or provision. But it could also be just translated as the Lord will see to it. The Lord will see to it. So why, why, why do we get provide? The Lord will provide. Well, the Latin root for provide is providere, probably saying that wrong. But it means, where, there we go. Uh, providere means to foresee and to attend to. To foresee and to attend to. That's what the, the Hebrew word here is talking about. God sees it. And because he is Yahweh, the Lord, I am the eternal being, he sees it all. And when he sees it all, he takes care of it all. The other difficulty that we have here is that um, this verb that's used, the Lord will provide, or the Lord, the Lord will see to it, is in an imperfect tense. And we don't have that tense in English. We have past tense, we have present tense, we have future tense. We have things that you, happened already, we have things that are happening now, we have things that will happen in the future. But this imperfect tense is something that started a long time ago and is continuing to today and will continue until it is completed. So when we say the Lord will provide, that makes it sound like sometime off in the future, we're all gonna be in heaven together, right? But that's not what the original language is saying. The Lord will see to it because he's always seen to it. And he's taking care of you today. He's going to continue to see to his promises. And it goes perfectly with Yahweh. El Roi, God sees me, but, but now I know him as Yahweh. I know him as the eternal one. So when he sees me, he takes care of it. He provides and so it's easy to see how this is referring to a future sacrifice, right? This descendant that Abram was promised at the beginning, that through his descendant, God would bless the whole world. That on the mountain, God will provide is referring ultimately to the mountain of Calvary, the crucifixion that's going to happen. There is a son that's going to be slain, but it's not Isaac. It's not the son of the promise. God is going to provide the sacrifice. God is going to see to it. Yahweh Jireh always provides. He always sees to his promises. And what does he ask of us? He asks us to continue to be patient and obedient. Continue to be patient and obedient. And Yahweh Jireh will see the promise. God wanted Abraham to be different because Yahweh Jireh was different. Right? He didn't request, he didn't require sacrifices of your children. He came through on his promises. 
He wanted Abraham to be different because he was different. All right, back to my story. When I picked El Roi and, and today's Yahweh Jireh, I didn't know when they were going to happen. I just picked names that I liked, and I felt like I had stories in my life that might relate to those. And this sermon was originally supposed to happen a month ago, on November 11th. And then we were going to have a month, and then, sorry, El Roi was going to happen a month ago, and then uh, Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Jireh was going to happen today. But somebody had the idea, and Matilda made the video for the women's, uh, women's ministry retreat recap. And so I didn't get to talk about El Roi. We got to see that awesome testimonies from all those women. And so that got pushed to last week. And now these two sermons are bookended each other. The Lord's going to see to it. The Lord's going to provide. He comes through on his promises. So last week I talked about El Roi. This week, Yahweh Jireh. And then something crazy happens. On Monday... Our dryer went out. What? It's like he's got a plan or something. Our dryer went out. And um, at the time, right, when we, when we had that original story, I could take mine and Molly's clothes to the laundromat. I got, there's seven people in my house now. I got five kids. The washer and dryer runs constantly. I can't live at the laundromat. So, super thankful. I talk about provision again. Guys, I've been full-time ministry for a little over a year now, and God has continued to provide for every one of my family's needs. And part of that provision is the same time he gave me this job, he provided an opportunity for me to do production work, videography, photography, that kind of stuff. And that, that provides for all the unforeseen emergencies, like when your dryer goes out on Monday. The issue with production work is there's an off season. And it's like November, December, January, February, March. So I was like, God, what do you, what do you want us to do? Like, what, what is your plan? Within 24 hours, I had the work to cover the purchase of a dryer, of a new dryer. Within 24 hours. Because we serve Yahweh Jireh. He's going to see to it. I'm going to continue to obey. I'm going to continue to be patient. He's going to see to his promise being fulfilled. But then Molly reminded me, how are you going to do all this extra work? You're preaching on Sunday. And Katie's party's on Saturday. Like there's so much work to be done. I was like, oh, when, how am I, when am I going to, when am I going to have the time? And then he reminded me of everything that's going on in life right now. And Jehovah Jireh said, I'll, I'll see to it. I'll see to it. Yahweh Jireh, the Lord will see to it. Continue to be patient and obedient, and Yahweh Jireh will see to your promises. You know, it reminded me again of that, that washer and dryer from 15 years ago. After I used it and my wife used it, we gave it to her brother and his wife. They used it for years. Then they gave it, I think to my brother and his wife who lived in that same apartment that continued to bless people in our family. And whenever I talked about it to the youth, I kind of had this like tunnel vision of how insignificant this one thing was. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's, it's all part of it. It's all part of the story. Keep your eyes open. I'm working in your life. 
Keep your eyes open. Be patient. Be willing to wait a little bit because what I've got in store is so much better than what you think you want right now. I'll see to it. We just have to keep our eyes open. Obedience isn't a set of rules to steal the fun from your life. Let me say that again, because I feel like we kind of have that attitude sometimes. Obedience to God is not a set of rules to steal the fun from your life. Obedience is living the way God intended you to live. And how awesome is it that we as creatures have a creator that communicates to us what our very best life can be and then invites us to live that with him. He will see to it. I can rest on the confidence that God, Yahweh Jireh, will take care of his promises. And I got a few of them for you guys today. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. God's promised you new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Isaiah 41, 10 says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. He's promised not to leave you or forsake you. He's there beside you, seeing to his promises. Deuteronomy 31.8, don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Exodus 14.14, Moses says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Stay calm. God's promised to fight for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, this is a great one. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Yahweh Jireh has promised you a future and a hope. Be obedient, be patient. Romans 5, I think Molly read some of this in her, in her communion thought. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. He's promised to be your friend. The God who sees you, and not just sees you, but sees to it. And then John 16, Jesus asked, do you finally believe? But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. 
comes a promise. But take heart because I have overcome this world. What is Yahweh Jireh asking you to patiently wait for in your life right now? What is Yahweh Jireh asking you to be obedient in this week? If Yahweh Jireh said it, he will do it. And then all he's asking us to do is patiently and obediently wait. Continue to be patient and obedient, and Yahweh Jireh will take care of the promise. He'll see to it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are telling a story, that it continues to be written, that you are actively taking part, that this isn't some place that you set the gears in motion some eons ago and that life is just playing itself out, but that we were created by a being who cares for us, that you are El Roi and you see me, you see me in my sorrow, and my pain, and my misery, and my fear. You see me in my uncertainty, and my low self-esteem. You see me in my struggle at work. But you don't just see me, because you are also Yahweh. Yahweh Jireh. You will see to it. The promise is fulfilled. You'll see to it. And so we just lean on that, Father. We know what you've done in our life. We look back and see your hand at work. And we say we will wait on you as you continue to fulfill your promise. Oh, God, we love you so much. Thank you for revealing yourself in your names for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all stand up. Let's sing.